If you would take your scriptures and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, we'll be reading verses 1 through 13. Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? For this lesson, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus from the Gentiles, if you, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning to lift our voices in praise and worship. We look to your word to learn about our worship and our giving to you. We hear the predictions of this world and the things in this world you have given us. You make clear to us the signs of the times, especially the times of the end. You do this not so we will be consumed with your second coming, but so we will be preparing ourselves to be ready to be your witnesses. Open your word to us this morning and guide us into its depth, showing us the extent of your grace and mercy. We thank you for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. In our day, the purpose of the work of the gospel has been so diluted until it is very hard to determine the true purpose of the work from what is being done by most churches today. In this passage, Paul lays out for all who will listen the true purpose of the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, especially in our country, the church has become everything but a true worker in the cause of Christ. Churches have become teachers, theaters, entertaining people with drama and dance. Others become political, working in the worldly campaigns. Some have become centers of psychological counseling with but one goal, to make people feel good about themselves. Some become businesses concerned more with the bottom line than with the truth. They have all taken on the world's idea of success and have compromised the truth until it is no longer recognizable to true believers. Religious superstition is growing at a very alarming rate. People placing their trust in self-help books and religious gurus instead of in God's word. The idea that somehow man is inherently good 
and is fully capable of saving himself is the theme of most of these deluded churches. We have over the last century seen the church go from proclaiming the truth of God's word to proclaiming pseudo-truths of humanism. Humanism says mankind is the only hope for the human race. They believe if you can only educate people and show them their potential, they can all save themselves. This is all a lie from the pits of hell. As believers, Jesus Christ, we should know better. The scripture fully declares the sinful nature of man and his inability to save himself. All men, because of the sin of Adam, are lost in spiritual death. They cannot, nor do they desire, to know God. From this state of spiritual death, they have absolutely no way to restore themselves to a relationship with their Creator. Therefore, man should be very concerned to hear the wonderful good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was sent into this world by God the Father to reveal to men his glorious plan of salvation to show them their totally sinful estate, to do for them what they could not do for themselves. He lived the perfect life, died the atoning death, won the resurrection victory over the forces of evil, sin, Satan, and death. But amazingly, this is not what men want to hear. They would rather be entertained and made to feel good about themselves and remain in their sins. The purpose of the church of Jesus Christ was to declare the truth about man and God, to show man his sin and to make God's holiness clear. It is important that we as God's people put aside all of our superstitions, all of our own desires to be entertained and made to feel good and that we focus our attention upon God's word and his message. We are called as God's people to search the scriptures for guidance in our lives, in every aspect of our lives. Do you want to do that? Is that what you really want? The first step in doing that is understanding that the scriptures are the divine word of God and that they are fully sufficient to guide you in every decision you need to make. To to the Apostle Paul, this is a starting point. It is the underlying ground for the work God has called him to. In this passage, he speaks to the divine purpose given this work. He has been given, been called to begin. First, Paul addresses the idea of the servant who is called to this work using his own call as an example. Second, he makes clear what this work is he has been doing, been given to do and is doing. Third, he shows the divine intent behind this work. And last, He explains the results that follow this work. Let's begin with verses 7 through 8a. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace given to me by the effective working of his power to me who am less than the least of all the saints. This is a very personal matter to Paul. Paul received a call from God on the road to Damascus. He was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. This meant he had the responsibility to reveal the great doctrine we know as the justification by faith alone. It was a very, very important work. But there is more to this call than just his being the apostle to the Gentiles. He was called to minister the whole of God's truth 
to all who would listen. He was called to be a minister of God's word. He says of himself here in verse 7, I became a minister according to the gift of grace. Here is the first responsibility of anyone who takes on this office of minister. He is called to serve as a minister of the grace of God, or if you will, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do you serve the gospel of Jesus Christ? I know when I first felt the call, I went to talk to Dr. Morton Smith, who at that time was the clerk of the PCA. And he told me, the first thing he told me was to search my heart and make sure there was no doubt in my heart and mind that I love the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can you serve that which you do not know and understand? The answer is you cannot. Paul knew this gospel message. He understood that Jesus had given himself completely and voluntarily to the saving of his people. Paul took this message as as his great theme in all of his letters. You cannot read the Apostle Paul and not hear about the salvation offered in Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the heart and soul of what Paul believes. He goes on to say how he came to be a servant of this gospel. It was by the gift of grace given to me by the effective working of his power. Paul makes no claim for his own intellectual power, or for that matter, his spiritual discernment. He says this calling came to him directly from God and from God himself. He shows that it was not something he earned. It was not something he went out and purchased. It was a gift given by God. God, in the counsel of his own will, decided that Paul was the man to fill this office, and he called him to it. God is not a respecter of persons. He does not look on the outside at how good-looking someone might be. He is not concerned with how well they can present themselves. Entertainment value is of no concern to him. What he is seeking is the men he call and the man he calls is faithfulness. Faithfulness, and since he can never find that in a man, he gives that gift of faithfulness when he calls it. Paul received this gift, and as you study his life, you see that gift exercised daily by the apostle as he struggles with the rejection of many to whom he preaches. You realize Paul preached to a lot of people. A lot of people were saved, but there were that many more probably that didn't listen and didn't get saved. In verse 8, Paul says, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me. One of the important things to remember about grace is that it is given by God when and to whom he chooses. Paul says he was one of the least of all of God's people. This should not shock any believer. This should not cause you to be concerned. All believers should have this same thought about themselves. I'm the least of all of God's people. Paul makes this plain in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. This should be the confession of each and every believer. Confess Christ Jesus, that he came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. 
unless you recognize the darkness of your own heart and the vileness of the sin that proceeds from it. You can never know the grace, Paul says, was given to him. This is what ministers of the gospel must know. They must know and understand that salvation is possible only by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Paul is saying he was an impossible sinner, a spiritually dead man without any hope whatsoever until Christ came to him on that Damascus road. God gave him the gift of grace, a grace that changed him from a sinner to a saint and called him to service in the work of this glorious gospel. Having come to an understanding of the call given him and of the grace that accompanied the call, Paul looks to the work he was given in the call. Verses 8b through 9. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what was in the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. The work Paul was called to, as all who followed him in the office of elder must do, they must follow the call and preach the unsearchable reaches of Christ. Preaching is the work. What is preaching? It's nothing more than the public declaration and pronouncement of the word of God. In 1 Corinthians, he calls it the foolishness of preaching, where we take the truths of God's word and declare them before men which with heart, darkness, darkened hearts. The unregenerate man cannot understand nor comprehend the truth of God's word. He is spiritually dead and does not have the ability to know the things of God. Consider the children of Israel as they were rescued from Egypt. They saw some of the most amazing miracles you could ever imagine. The plagues that destroyed the Egyptians in their lands but didn't harm the Israelites. The wall of fire that protected them all night from the Egyptian army at the shore of the Red Sea. The opening of the sea for the, their escape and the destruction of Pharaoh and his army in that sea. Yet, in just a few days after these events, they would be at Mount Sinai with Moses up on the mountain receiving the law of God, and they were seduced into building an idol to worship. They saw God move, and they still did not believe because their hearts were hard. We are called as ministers of God to preach his word to hold the prophet in Ezekiel 2.7 as he says to preach whether they listen or not. The work God calls men to is the work of declaring the truth. This work is not to be measured by how many men hear and believe. It is measured by the faithfulness of the one preaching. Is he being true to God's word? Is the voice of the good shepherd heard in his sermon? Are the unsearchable riches of God's grace freely declared? These riches go far beyond what we could ever imagine. They are his grace and mercy at work redeeming men who are the worst of all men and making them into saints, saints who serve God with joy and thanksgiving. How sad it is. 
to have men hear this truth and reject it. Please understand, all men are sinners who have fallen short of God's glory. It is only by the preaching of God's grace and the declaration of this wonderful justification that is offered in Jesus Christ that men can be saved. This is the work Paul was called to. And it is the work all who are called by by the true and living God must give their whole hearts and souls to. Paul adds to this, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Not only are men called to preach the good news of salvation, they are also to enlighten God's people of the wonder of that organism given them through to help them grow in their faith, and that is the church of Jesus Christ, or if you will, the new vessel of God's kingdom. The church of Jesus Christ is the mystery that was hidden for generations. This church is the vehicle God will use to bring all of his people together, both Jew and Gentile, and it is the living organism that will make them grow. No greater joy could be yours than to know Christ in his church and to be part of both. The God who created all things has made a way in which you as a believer can come to him and be a part of his wonderful plan of redemption. This is a part of the work given to those called of God to make everyone understand this great mystery. To show them how marvelously God has planned for them. Our God is a sovereign God. He is in control of all things. He is the creator of all things, the sustainer of all life, and the redeemer of men's souls. Paul has already pointed out so clearly in chapter 1, all that happens happens only because of the decrees of God. This is a part of the work given to the call of God. They must declare God's sovereign nature. They must make known to all who will listen that it is God who is in control of this world and of all its inhabitants. Paul gives two parts to this great work, the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the nature and purpose of God. As you select a church, please, seat one where these two great works take priority. There will be nothing entertaining about them They will not always make you feel good. In fact, many times they will make you reflect on the sins in your life. They'll make you feel insignificant and all alone. But they always, always give you a view of hope, a hope far greater than anything you could find in yourself. They should show you Jesus Christ and the perfect life he lived on your behalf. They should make you aware of his atoning death, the death he died on Calvary's cross for the forgiveness of the sons of his people, or the sins of his people. And they should direct you to the victory he won in your place and over the spiritual enemies of your soul. The clear intent of the church of Jesus Christ and those called to serve in this work is to reveal the truth of redemption. Verses 10 through 11. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
You can see from this that the church is from before the foundation of the world had a very clear and distinct purpose. That purpose was not revealed until the work of Jesus Christ was completed. However, it was always hidden in the plan of God. The church is not a parenthetical period in God's plan. It did not come into being because the Jews failed to receive Christ. It has been the purpose of God from the beginning to bring both Jew and Gentile together into this one great and glorious body. What was the purpose of this body? The purpose was to make clear the manifold wisdom of God. The Greek word used here for manifold, polyposkilos, polyposkilos. I'll get it right in a minute. It carries a much deeper meaning than the word manifold relays. It literally means multicolored or much variegated. It shows the infinite diversity and the sparkling beauty of God's salvation and of his wisdom, making clear that there is nothing like it in this world. It is an iridescent wisdom that once you have looked upon it, you can't take your eyes off of it. making clear that there is nothing like it in this world. Nothing. The wisdom of God is, is greater than anything. It is an, it, it, the church is given the task of making this wisdom known throughout the world, and as we shall see, even beyond the principalities and authorities in heavenly places. This is the greatest thing we have, the wisdom of God. And we get that wisdom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. These principalities and powers it's talking about would be angels both good and bad. Paul shows just how far the church is responsible to carry this wisdom. You understand, this is our purpose, to carry the wisdom of God to all that will listen. He says, it might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We've already been told in the Great Commission, to carry this gospel throughout the whole world to every nation, race, tribe, and people group. Now, now, Paul says, we're responsible to carry it even further. We are to see it is made known to even the creatures of heaven. How can we do that? We do it the same way we carry it to men through the preaching of God's word. Peter, in 1 Peter 1.12 speaking of the prophets and, and their purpose in serving you, adds this word concerning angels, things which angels desire to look into. What are these things? The truths concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through men preaching God's word under the direction of the Holy Spirit, even angels can learn of God's great grace. You as a believer in Christ with the gift of the Holy Spirit have something angels desire. They want to know God's truths even deeper. They want this ability to know God in a deeper, more personal way like you. You know it through God's grace. That's how you come to know it. You also have the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is through us they learn of God's grace and mercy. The church of Jesus Christ is called to come out of the world and into the fellowship with one another. Through this working together, the angels learn of God's great plan. Angels are, were confirmed in righteousness. They don't need...
to be saved. They're confirmed in their righteousness. Demons were confirmed in their wickedness. But neither angels nor demons were given all knowledge. They must learn as we do. What this shows is the wonderful magnitude of the gospel. It affects in one way or another the whole of God's creation. While most Reformed commentators believe this applies mainly to the angels in heaven, there is a sense in which it also speaks of the devil and his demons. The devil and demons of hell learn of God's grace through the preaching of the word also. While they cannot be saved because they're already confirmed in their wickedness, the power of the preached word heaps more and more condemnation upon them. It drives them deeper and deeper into hell, and it separates them further and further from God's people. I hope you can see the great intent of our Lord in giving to us this wonderful and glorious method of presenting his word, not only to men, but also to angels and demons. This is what makes the church of Jesus Christ so important in this world. It is why each and every believer needs to associate himself with a local body that is preaching the word, preaching the truth of the word. You are called to come out of the world and join together with God's people to proclaim the truth of his word. You cannot be a true part of the kingdom until you have done that and are part of fulfilling this great work. Paul goes on to explain why this is so important. He says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This work is found in his eternal purpose, which was carried out in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God sent Christ into this world with several things in mind. He was sent to reveal the character of God to man. He was sent to provide salvation for his people. There are things that affect the whole of creation. The angels in heaven want to know and understand it all better. It should be the desire of your heart to grow in your understanding of it all. The place to learn of it is in fellowship with other believers where the word is open and studied. Paul says there are some great results awaiting those who will join in this work. Verses 12 through 13. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. What glorious results come from being a part of God's body, a part of the church of Jesus Christ. To be in Jesus requires that you be a part of his church. You cannot know Christ and not know his body. The two are one. He also makes the point here that you cannot know Christ and have faith in him. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Here is the key to being a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Where does this faith come from? It is a gift given by God to the heart, new heart of every believer. But there's also an outside stimulus that makes it active. You've got the new heart. But there's something outside coming to make it active. That outside stimulus is God's word and more importantly, the preaching of that word. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The so then refers back to the passage on preaching. Faith comes from the preached word and the preached word comes from God's written word. 
One of the greatest results of the church coming together and preaching the word is the changed hearts and lives it generates through the declaration of God's truth. Paul says it opens up the gates of heaven so we may come in to God with access and confidence, or if you will, with freedom and boldness. Freedom from the worry and guilt of sin because we know that Jesus Christ has put the curse of death to rest by his vicarious sacrifice on Calvary's cross. We come with confidence because we know that our lives are now made pleasing before God and through Christ's perfect life and the gift of his righteousness to all who will hear and believe in him. How do you learn about these things? Through the preaching of God's word. As you hear his word proclaimed, your faith and trust grow. Where do you hear? In the church. In the church that holds the sufficiency of the word and and believers in the foolishness of preaching. You're not going to get it in entertainment. You're not going to get it in, in political speeches. The only way you're going to get it is through the word of God. That's what the church should hold up is the word of God and preaching Christ and him crucified. Paul adds to this in verse 13. Therefore, I ask you that you not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. The circumstances, the tribulations he's talking about here, the circumstances surrounding the message Paul was delivering to the church of Ephesus was his persecution. He was telling them how he had been persecuted. What he's telling them is to forget the worldly circumstances you see that fight against the preaching of God's truth. Don't worry about the outside, what's going on with the world and what they're doing. They were there in Paul's day, and they're present in our day. Our responsibility is to stand firm on what we know to be the truth. All that happens to try and stop the preaching of God's word will in the end only focus attention back on that truth. It will bring glory to God. Our temptation today is not that different from the day of Paul. We are being tempted to flee persecution by becoming more like the world. Hear Paul's words and do not become discouraged that other Christian churches are growing large and rich while we remain small. If our being small is because of our desire to hold to God's word, then I can assure you we will receive an eternal reward that will be beyond compare. In conclusion, what I want you to think about is the truth of the gospel message and the broad and eternal significance it carries. This message speaks not just to men, but to all of creation. He made, Jesus Christ came into this creation. He made to deliver the message of love and hope to all who would listen and believe. That's why he came, to bring us that message of love. If you will open your heart and consider the truth of his message, it will change your life. His message is really very simple considering the power it brings. He calls men to hear his word and believe on him. That he was sent from heaven by God the Father. That he came to live the perfect life men could not live. That he voluntarily died on Calvary's cross to pay the price of redemption men could not pay. That he took on the spiritual enemies of men and defeated them in order that those who would believe in him and his work could be restored to a relationship with God the Father. My friends, he is calling all who will hear this message and believe it. 
He's calling them to come out of the world and to take their place at his side in the body, in his body, the church of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you told us that you sent your only begotten Son into this world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We know there is only one way into this everlasting life, and it is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Help us, Father. Help us to search our hearts and know that we have our trust in Christ and in Christ alone. Do not let us add anything to our salvation. Let us stand firm on the truth of your gospel message and hold fast to Christ and the work he did for us on Calvary's cross. We know we need him and can trust only in him. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. In Christ's name, amen. You take your hymnals and turn to him 224.